What's up, guys? This is John and Wes back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. It's been a fun week one of bowl games, um, then some crazy plays and just some unexpected outcomes so far out of a couple of them. No, um, no, I'm, I'm what, 10 and one? I predicted everything. Okay. I, the unpredicted outcome was Florida kicking a field goal with 40 seconds left to stay <laughs> to keep their streak of games they scored in alive. Hey, scare money don't make money, all right? <laughs> and Billy Napier might take a damn pay cut after that performance because that was dog shit. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to disrespect dog shit. That was that was shit. bird shit. Bird shit. <laughs> that was bird shit. Inconvenient. Gets on your window, and when you try to get it off, it smears all over the place. Nobody <laughs> likes it. It's not useful for anything. <sighs> yeah. That was, man. Oh, and white, because, you know, their white quarterback played, like, absolute fucking trash. Damn, what's he got to do? What, 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 what's color got to do with anything? Look. I just, you know, I... <laughs> this is this is probably a little bit racist to me, but whenever I see somebody leaning on a white person to change their season, I have doubts. There's a reason that a majority of the NFL is not white. Unless you're a quarterback. Unless you're a quarterback. Or a slot receiver for the Patriots, but hey. I mean, I say that, but Georgia's top two receivers are both white and their quarterback's also white. And and Dan Jackson was white, and he was one of the best safeties in the game until he got hurt. So hey, oh man, I for, I feel for him so bad, right? Because he could have played his way into getting drafted this season, and then he got hurt. Yeah, but we're gonna. I don't even know if we're gonna talk about bowls much. It's uh it's early signing day tomorrow. This is Tuesday while we're talking. Um. I don't even know if we're going to talk a lot of bowls right now, but there is something that happened over the last weekend that I want to talk about. But first, are you drinking tonight? I am. Ooh, what you got? Um. So in our group that we have, we've talked about, you know, the little cocktail with, you know, coffee and, you know. Yeah. 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 So I made one. I put, was it Aberfeldy Ab- or whatever? Aberfeldy. So, yeah. I put that Scotch. with Dr. Pepper. Yeah. So it's that, Dr. Pepper, and then, you know, a scoop of instant coffee. And it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, I I could give you one guess, and you'd probably be able to guess what I'm drinking. ASW Fizzler. Yep. I, I went <laughs> and got a second of the single barrel from the place down the road. Um, I mean, it's just, it's good stuff. 56.8 proof or 56.8%. Percent. percent. So you're talking close to close to 120 Dude, proof. I can't wait to move back south and actually get some ASW. I might, I might be able to hook you up sooner than that. Might. <laughs> you live on base though, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. When you send mail on base, it goes through a little bit more, a little bit more. Of a process, I got people off post. Oh well, we'll t- we'll talk about this off air. 
we can only uh we can only glance you know tangentially mention felonies on air yeah, we, got, no. we got to talk about it real off air yeah we do nothing illegal for legal absolutely purposes, not for legal purposes we do nothing illegal everything's alleged <laughs> alleged until proven guilty but all right so the thing that i'm going to rant about for a minute and a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's just a salty Georgia fan, blah, blah, blah. It's the Joe Moore Award. And Michigan has won the Joe Moore Award for the second year in a row. And I'm about to go through a lot of stats telling you why Michigan should not have won the award. Let's hear it. So Michigan won the Joe Moore Award after being 10th in the country in sacks allowed. But they've allowed the most sacks of anyone ranked lower than eight, or anyone ranked between first and eighteenth. Most sack yards. <laughs> so there's like negative 117 in sack yards, and that is the highest amount until you get down to 18th in the country. <laughs> they are 21st in average line yards, and average line yards is where the offensive line is credited 100% for the zero to three rushing yards. 50% 4 to 8, 0% for anything past 8 because that has little to do with the offensive line and the offensive line is credited 125% for negative yardage plays. Jesus. So they're they are 21st in the country in average line yards. They are 23rd in the country in success rate, which is defined as rush plays of 2 yards or less on third and fourth downs where the yards were gained. 23rd. They're also 23rd in stuff rate, which is defined as plays that are stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. So is 23rd good or bad? Out of 130 teams, and you're allegedly the best offensive line in the country. But like stuff rate, would you want to be a higher number? Do you want to be a lower number? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, that's what I meant. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and you want to be as close to first as you can in all of these categories. Okay, because you know, like, oh, we're like one twentieth and like sacks allowed. Like, okay, well, that's good, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some stats you want to be lower than higher, like interception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in, in all these stats I'm reading off, you want to be as close to first as possible. Okay. Okay. So Michigan's offensive line is twentieth in sack rate which is percent of dropbacks where the quarterback gets sacked and they are and they are at 3.7% on down. passing Go. downs Go down. which is second and third second third and fourth downs of 5 yards or more is considered a passing down and they drop to 31st on passing downs the two finalists for the Joe Moore award were Michigan and Georgia and in those same categories Georgia ranks also 21st in average line yards, 66th in power success rate. And we've all seen those short yardage situation issues. So that really shouldn't shock anyone. 21st in stuff rate, so slightly higher than Michigan. The massive difference between Georgia and Michigan in these stats. Georgia is third in sack rate and only drops to 15th on passing down sack rate. Jesus. With all of that being said, I think it's fairly easy to say that Georgia should not have won the award either. 
No, being in the mid twenties in all these categories, just like Michigan, except for success rate where they're significantly lower, and then sack rate where they're higher. I think that kind of balances out. I think they're about even in every category, which is why I don't think Georgia should have won the award either. So don't say this is a biased take. You had a question? No, you want to know what led Michigan to winning? Like what ultimately gave them the the not the nudge, I believe, for first was the Ohio State game and the way they dominated on the ground. Well, you know who else did really well on the ground against Ohio State? Everybody. Maryland and Penn State. <laughs> and it's safe to say that neither of those teams are elite. No. So, in my opinion, Georgia or Michigan, neither of them should have won the award. Shocker, I'm a Georgia fan. I know I see everything with a little bias. I don't think Georgia deserved the award either. How dare you? The team that I think should have won the award was Oregon. They were fourth in average line yards, higher than Georgia and Michigan. Tenth in stuff rate, higher than Georgia and Michigan. First in sack rate, and that is with a quarterback that is one of the most 50-50 between run and pass quarterbacks (laughs) in the entire country. And Bo Nix is known to start drifting out of the pocket the second the ball is snapped. First in sack rate. And then they, on passing downs, they only drop to eighth in the country. They, I mean, we had issues against them week one. We couldn't get the bow to save our damn life. No. I think Oregon should have won the award, and if I'm being entirely intellectually honest, I think the two finalists should have been Oregon and Washington because Washington was almost neck and neck with Oregon in every offensive line stat category. But the thing is, those the only like name brand out of that is Oregon. No one's going to be like, oh, Washington's offensive line is the fucking best offensive line. Like, no one gives a shit about Washington. Like – Sorry that hurt some feelings, but, like, awards go to the big names, and we all know that. Yep. And, and and that's the shitty thing about these awards is that it goes to the the Blue Bloods, as people like to say. Yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, if the best player in the country won the Heisman last year, Will Anderson would have won the Heisman. Yeah. And I think you can arguably say, if you're talking about the best player at their position in college football, Roquan Smith should have won the Heisman in 2017. Yeah, but it's a, the Heisman has turned into a quarterback award. Like, it, There's no doubt The Heisman that. is you're on a relevant team, your quarterback did well, and you're making a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, we can't say play It's Caleb Williams. Yeah, I mean, that that's all it is. And, it, I mean, it's honestly disgusting to say that from someone who believes these awards should still carry integrity. Oh, yeah. But so um, everybody that knows me or has listened to the show for a while, I'm a little conspiracy-minded, and you guys know that. Um, yeah. Michigan has won this award two years in a row, right? Last year, they were their offensive line was beat to hell. By Georgia in the playoff. Run the damn ball. Run the damn ball for 91 total yards. No individual had more than 39 total yards. And the leading rusher from that Orange Bowl that's still on the team is J.J. McCarthy with a whopping 24 yards on the ground. 
Not to mention the four sacks they gave up in that game. Yeah. Right. Would you like to know where the headquarters of the Joe Moore Award is? Uh, I'm going to go with Michigan. Ann Ar- no, I'm not going to say Ann Arbor. It's in Michigan. Detroit. It's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, shit. The Joe Moore Award Foundation is less than five miles from the University of Michigan's campus. Hmm. And look, I I get it. Michigan hasn't won this award every year. That's because they've been dog shit a lot of years. <laughs> but the two years but they're the- relevant. The two years they're relevant, suddenly they're Joe Moore Award finalists. When last <laughs> year we saw how good, in quotes, their offensive line was against actual competition. Dog shit. I, I, yeah, no, I don't. For what it's worth, which is very little, I until the Joe Moore Award actually stands up for their actual purpose of awarding the best offensive line in the country i whatever it's just (laughs) another it's just another heavy piece of brass somebody can tell recruits about yeah speaking of recruits though signing day is tomorrow which means a lot of you guys are going to be listening to this on either signing day or the day after so we're going to (laughs) talk a lot about that right now um, Wes, do you want to talk transfer portal before that or after that? Well, what do you, what do you think? I think, <clears throat> I think we talk signing day first. Cause I think signing day will have a lot to do of have, will have a lot to do about where these transfers go from the portal. All right. All right. That makes sense? So, it right? yeah, a- yeah, yeah, no, it, it made sense. Okay. <laughs> So, National Signing Day is tomorrow. We all know that. But what a lot of people don't necessarily know is that early enrollees showed up on campus yesterday and started practicing. Yeah. So, there's a lot of guys that are going to be signing tomorrow that are literally already practicing with the team. (laughs) So, uh, you know... I I enjoy the recruiting cycle and National Signing Day a lot more than I would say most people just because of the impact that it has on just because of the impact that it has on your team's future. I mean, we as Georgia fans, if you paid attention for long enough, you've seen it. Georgia went from like top 10, top 15 every year under Mark Rick with recruiting in, you know, let's just go back to, I'll pull it up here. Let's go back to the 2014 recruiting class. According to 247, Georgia was ranked eighth in recruiting in 2014. The lowest Georgia has been ranked since Kirby Smart came to Athens was third. And to me, that says a lot about not only what he's been able to do and as in build the program, but we've seen the results on the field. Who came out of that 14 class? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I mean, you might've heard of some of these guys that were out of the 2014 class. Quite, a, quite a few uh, very high draft picks. <laughs> let's, let's just start off Lorenzo Carter. Okay. That was that class. Um, 
Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Isaiah Wynn, Jeb yeah. Blazevich, Lamont Gilliard. Oh, Jeb. Um, Kendall Baker. Okay, that was the Isaiah point. McKenzie. Yeah. Um, oh, and then just also a guy that happens to hold the career interception record at the University of Georgia, Dominic Sanders. That was a good class. That was a good class. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I I would say that was a good class. <laughs> you know, only, what, five starters in the NFL from that one class? Yeah. Only. Only. But to kind of give you guys a little bit of an overview, if you don't pay attention to recruiting, Georgia is currently ranked second in the country in recruiting, according to 247 Composite. And... Georgia is 17.02 points behind Alabama, who is in first. Um, but Georgia has two less commits than in Alabama when and when it comes to this class. So depending on what Georgia is able to do tomorrow with some potential guys that have been um let's just say leaning towards Georgia over the last over the last few days um I will just go ahead and headline this Damon Wilson has been crystal balled to Georgia by 247 as of a couple hours ago and what you guys may not know about Damon Wilson is that he How do I how do I say this? Um Damon Wilson is currently a more polished player than Samuel Mpemba, who was a massive get for the dogs a couple weeks ago. So much so that it, I'm pretty sure this is the same guy. I'm pretty sure that Damon Wilson is starting over Mpemba at their school right now. Or is it a different Damon that I'm thinking of. You're thinking of a different one because Samuel and Pimba is um He's IMG. an IMG. Yeah, and uh Damon Wilson is Gabriel Harris is who's starting over yeah. um Samuel and Pimba at IMG. I apologize. Damon Wilson's at Venice. Right. But so everybody knows what Georgia's weakness is on the team right now. Um, and I would say the two weaknesses do what quarterback, yeah, trash, trash. No, I the weaknesses on Georgia's team right now are outside linebacker, edge position, whatever you call it. It's it's called so many things now, but you got outside linebacker and you've got wide receiver, I think, is another weakness on on this team right now um and it's not necessarily that we don't have guys that can't run routes well or doesn't have good hands we don't have what i would call a true physical 50 50 ball wide receiver is that is that safe to say like we don't yeah. have a, we yeah. don't have like a george pickens or yeah. a javon Wims. Where you can just throw it in his direction and say, go beat the other guy. Yeah, you can't pull the whole well, he's down there somewhere. Let me throw it. 
Right. And that's something that both of those positions are. Georgia has definitely attacked those two positions in the recruiting cycle this season and in the transfer portal, which we'll get to here in a minute. But Brian McClendon, for what a lot of people were complaining about in the offseason of bringing him back to Georgia, Georgia has now got a recruit from a four-star, number 14 wide receiver in the country, Tyler Williams, out of Lakeland, Florida, out of less than an hour from the University of Florida. He is 6'3", 200 pounds. That's almost exactly what... That's almost exactly what George Pickens was coming out of high school. Yeah. Then you've got a guy that we've talked about on the show before, Yazid Harris. He's going to be a prop. Haynes, Yazid Haynes. I apologize, guys. Um, Not good with names. And to me, I think Yazid is vastly underrated if you watch his tape. Runs routes very well. Got good hands. He, in the 247 composite, he is a four-star ranked number 37 in the country at wide receiver. But if you think he's the 37th best wide receiver in the country, you should go watch his tape. Yeah. He's 6'1", 170. I don't necessarily think he will play a ton in his first year in Athens just because he's going to have to put on weight to be able to take the kind of hits that you take in the SEC. But, I mean, the 40 times, the unofficial 40 times I have seen from this guy are stupid. And I mean that in a complimentary way. For him to be in high school, I mean, I've seen unofficial times of, like, low four threes. Jesus. Yeah. Like, yeah. If he can put on some weight and not lose much speed, I mean, you're talking about like college Tyreek Hill. Yeah, dude will be a pro- dude will be an issue for sure. Yeah, and I mean that's we need go route guys. That's what we've used Arian Smith as um, the over this past season. He just hasn't. Um, I think I think he's probably got some injuries lingering still from all that kind of stuff. Something that we have all seen over the last few years is just the difference in defensive back recruiting that Kirby and the staff have been able to do. Um, I mean, Georgia has two five-star defensive backs coming into this class. You got A.J. Harris who is a 6'1", 180. He is the number two overall corner in the country coming into this, coming into tomorrow. And fun fact here, guys. Um, he is the number one player out of the state of Alabama. You know, given, given Auburn and Alabama that middle finger and coming to Athens. And so he has he has some stats here on 247's website. 
And they're all like explosive explosivity stats, right? So long jump. If I'm reading this correctly, his long jump is 20 feet 2.75 inches. I don't I don't think that's right. Because that's like world record level. (laughs) That's like world record level. I don't I'm just reading it. Um, that does not that does not seem seem accurate. His hundred meter time, which is really what you're going to work on a lot in college, or not work on, but what you're going to use a lot in his position in college, he runs an eleven point four two hundred meter. That is one point one four seconds for every ten meters. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it's just another one of those tall, long, super athletic DBs that Kirby's getting on campus. That's what we need. I mean, that is one of the biggest reasons that – it's one of the biggest reasons that anytime any of the corners we currently have have gotten beat off the line, they've caught up. Yeah. I mean, there are times that if you go back and, like, you have the all-22 view or you're watching in person, like, you can see Kamari or Keeley get beat off the line and catch up to a wide receiver because they're fast enough. Yeah. And they're tall enough to where they can jump and get one hand up. I mean, we saw it in the SEC championship. Keeley was beat on that fade route in the end zone early in the game. Like he, there was five yard separation in the corner of the end zone between him and his guy, but he was athletic enough to jump up and just tip the ball trying to get that interception to be able to essentially stop that touchdown. Um, a safety that is coming on campus this season is Janelle Aguero. And y'all know I'm awful with names. So, I I hope I pronounced that right. We really, <laughs> you know, for how much we hate on Gary for not pronouncing things correctly. You? You're becoming you're becoming Gary Daniels. Um, so here's the thing: I try, and if I find out I'm wrong, I change it. He has the paper in front of him telling him he's wrong and doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> So, we, with we what's up? We don't have someone telling us how to pronounce names. And the thing is, so the University of Georgia on their roster website, they used to have yeah a pronunciation guide. Yep. And I haven't I haven't seen it this season, which is kind of frustrating me because I mean, even with Eric Gilbert, I've heard it Eric Arik Arik. <laughs> and then with Smail Mondin, I've heard Smail, Smile. I, yeah. I just want to know because I feel like it's disrespectful to pronounce somebody's name wrong. Well, whatever Gary says is probably wrong, so we're going to go with the opposite of that. Well, he says Munden, so that's definitely wrong. Yeah, see so. All right, so something else I want to talk about. There's a couple more positions that I think are massive gets for Georgia this season is inside linebacker. And that's something that, you know, as Georgia fans, we know has been 
Like Georgia has cemented themselves not only as RBU but as LBU this past season. I mean, you've got just I'm not necessarily this past season, but over the last few years, you got Roquan Smith in the NFL, Quay Walker, Nakobe Dean, Channing Tindall. I mean, you've got Tay Crowder, who was drafted as Mr. Irrelevant, who is a starting inside linebacker for the New York Giants. You've Killing got Monty it. Rice, who a lot of Georgia fans said wasn't fast enough. That's a starter for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, at the University of Georgia, we pride ourselves as having the best inside linebackers in the game of football. And I think this season is, with these guys, it's just going to be even better. You've got C.J. Allen coming in to number four inside linebacker in the country, C.J. Allen. And as an inside linebacker, last June. So he was about to be a junior in high school. About to be a junior in high school. <laughs> Just going to say that again. He ran a 4.6240 as an inside linebacker. And his 100 meters was faster than the safety we just talked about. His 100 meters in April of this season was 11.16. Jesus. I think the reason he is not an inside or a corner, this kid is 6'1, 217 and running an 11 100 meter. Jeez. Absurd. And then you've got Raylan Wilson, number three linebacker in the country. So now we've got number three and number four coming into this class. He is 6'2, 213, super athletic kid, and his 100 meter according to what was done in April, is a 10-9-1. We're talking about linebackers. I mean, people know if you want to play linebacker and you want to make it to the NFL as a linebacker, you come to Georgia. Georgia had three draft picks last year at a single position. Where there's only two starters. Yeah, absolutely. And shout out as far and as loud as possible to Glenn Schumann, who I know we've talked about on the show before. He is one of the defensive coordinators for the University of Georgia. He is the inside linebackers coach and has been for a minute. And everything that we've seen out of the inside linebacker position at the University of Georgia can be credited to Glenn Schumann and the number five linebacker in the country is also committed to the University of Georgia. You've got three, four, and five. Two of them out of three of them, all three of them are from Florida. All three of these inside linebackers, no correction. Two are from Florida. One is from Barnesville, Georgia. I mean, I don't know what's better, just beating Florida or going in and taking Florida's just soul by taking players out of the out of the state. I, you know, speaking of taking their soul, let's talk about another position that Georgia's done better than any other in the country over the last few years, and I think you're going to be able to guess where this is. Running back. No, not quite. We're going to get there in a minute. 
Ooh. We're talking about tight end. Uh, wow. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you know, taking the soul out of Florida, Pierce Sperlin, who we have talked about before on this show, six foot six, 220 pound, four star tight end out of Florida. According to the 247 composite, he is the number three tight end in the country. I'm so excited for him. Number three tight end in the country. Well, here's the thing. He's not the only tight end in this recruiting class. You've got another four-star tight end in the country, who according to the 247 composite is the number eight overall tight end. He is six foot three, 225 pounds, and just a stud of a guy. He's a two-sport athlete. And another name to watch out for tomorrow, along with Damon Wilson, guy named Deuce Robinson out of Arizona. He is a five-star number one tight end in the country. And it's essentially come down to Georgia and Southern California for his for his recruitment. Yeah. He's not announced until February though. He's oh, I thought he was announcing tomorrow. Uh-huh. Okay. So we'll keep an eye on Deuce Robinson's commitment throughout the late signing period. Um, but yeah, it's right now he's predicted to go to Southern California, but you know, say say uh say Darnell decides to go to the draft after this season because he is draft eligible. He is, and he's definitely made a name for himself this year. Yes, he has. Just just putting just putting it out there. Deuce. You got a spot. Um, and the last position we're gonna talk about is what Georgia's been known for since hell what the 70s, 80s. And we're talking about running back. And I've already talked about this guy a ton. We're talking about Roderick Robinson II. He is, according to 247 Composite, four-star, number 13 in the country. He is 6'1", 230. And for those of you that hadn't heard, he won California Player of the Year. Yeah. Was a UCLA commit. He was a UCLA commit. And uh, flipped to the University of Georgia after he visited in October. I've already talked about this guy a ton, but good God. You want to talk about somebody who can show up and make – like he's one of those guys that I would say the first few weeks next season he's probably going to, you know, come in in garbage time because Georgia's got a few cupcakes early in the year. But by about the third game that he comes into, people are going to be like, who the hell is this kid? The, and com- the common fan will be like, who the hell is this kid? If you listen to this show, we're obvious- we're going to talk about him all year. You're going to see this kid show out on G-Day. I promise you that. And 
when we talk about our breakout stars next season. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to say he is for sure a breakout, but he will no doubt be at least on my honorary mentions list because I, if you compare his tape to Nick Chubb's high school tape, you see a lot of similarities. Yeah, he's. I've heard it like, I mean, how many people have called him Chubb Jr.? Like, yeah. Like, I am really excited to see what this guy can do in Athens, especially with all the offensive line. I mean, Georgia's recruited the offensive line at, if not better than any other team in the country over the last few years. And we see it because you've got, like, earlier this season, Georgia was getting, like, 200 yards per game on the ground, and we were still complaining about the offensive line. <laughs> That's why they more yeah, 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 yeah. Only 200 yards a game on the ground. When you are used to a certain level of success and you see and something doesn't meet it, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just not saying it's as good as it should be. And then one last position that I got to talk about, and not even necessarily a position, it's one player. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you can guess the one player we've talked about a lot that uh, that I haven't mentioned yet. Mm-hmm. And that is our guy. The future wrecking ball in the middle of Georgia's defensive line. We are talking about Ja Jarrett. Oh, man. Man, I... I don't think enough play. I don't think enough people are talking about him. I've listened to a lot of Georgia podcasts over the last week or so, trying to get ready for signing day, and I have heard Jaw get mentioned one time. Keep it that way. He has been mentioned one time, and Jaw's already on campus. Like he started practicing with the team yesterday. So, question about that? Yep. So, because if I'm not mistaken, Nico, I'm a Leva, Tennessee, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing in the bowl game, correct? So, he is eligible to play in the bowl game. So, does that mean all of our early enrollees are eligible? So, I will look that up real quick. I mean, granted, I know Kirby's not going to put him in, but. So, what. I understand is that so and I'll be honest I don't have a great understanding of this process and everything like that but from what I understand because Tennessee's bowl game is after the new year they're playing on the first it's a new season it, I, I don't necessarily know if it's a new season, but it the new semester will have technically started. So does that so, mean if we make it to the natty, then those dudes are eligible for the natty? I, man, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to find out now. I know I just like threw this on you, but yeah, because someone mentioned that in our group that Nico Amaliva is um Eligible. I don't even know that's how you say his name. It just, it, uh, I'm just sounding it out like it's spelled. I'm a Leva, Tennessee. So, 
I'll be honest, I'm not finding anything. I'm not finding anything legitimate about that. The one guy that tweeted it out and it went viral is apparently a troll account. Uh, I've never heard of that before. I hadn't either. Yeah, no, that was a troll account. <laughs> so, I don't know. They probably need another quarterback because the unguided missile, Bazooka Joe, <laughs> is uh, – let's just say if Cade Klubnick starts for Clemson and they're healthy <laughs> all across the board – I think Clemson's won in that game. Yeah. I saw and then Dabo will be Shane Beamer's favorite son for the next year. I can't wait to put that meme out. Um, I did see something, though. It's an argument, but it's an argument we can have when we preview the ballgame on which, which is the better orange. Uh, the better orange is no orange. <laughs> well, Yeah. But, you know, the all-orange-orange orange bowl. Yeah, I think they did that on purpose. I mean, I think it'll be an interesting game, but it's – I don't know. Because of my disdain for both teams, I'm not – that's one of those games, like, when we talked about Alabama-Tennessee, like, who do you – what do you want to happen? A crater open up and swallow both teams? Yes. What's the what's the thing that comes around every election cycle? Giant meteor twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um. So let's uh let's have a few fun conversations before we get into the transfer portal stuff. Yeah. Who do you think makes the biggest impact out of just the high school recruits? Who do you think makes the biggest impact on Georgia's team next season? Honestly, like, I know this is probably a cliche answer, but I think our boy, I think Big Job probably probably makes the biggest impact because, I mean, look at that position and how much of an impact they make already with Bear Alexander, Jalen Carter. Like, boom, Job comes in and replaces Jalen. Like, is I feel like we're not going to miss a beat at, at that position. I think with I think with his body type, Jaw is going to play more of the um, Nas Stackhouse role. Yeah, I think that's where he's going to fit in on the on the D line. And with Stackhouse being a senior, like he may have one he may have one year of eligibility left. But man, I think there is a lot of opportunity for Jaw to come in, and especially I mean, like I said, he's already practicing. Yeah. Like he has such an opportunity to come in off the rip, make a name for himself on the scout team in these next few weeks. And then when it comes into the spring, like he can quickly move up the uh, depth chart there. I think I'm going to go a different direction. Um, and I say that because of the need at the position. And for me, I think it's either going to be Gabriel Harris because of the outside linebacker need. Yeah. And if you watch the tape, he is a much more polished outside linebacker, edge player, whatever you're going to say, 
he's much more polished at that position. He has finely tuned, pa- finely tuned pass rushing skills. He knows how to fill a lane for the run game. He knows how to seal the edge. Um, but then another spot that I think we've got some need on the team is wide receiver and Tyler Williams with his with his stats. And if you watch his tape, I mean, he's a good route runner. He's fast. He's tall. And you want to talk about a fantastic one-two punch potentially next season? A.D. Mitchell, Tyler Williams, with Ladd McConkey in the slot, and you've got Brock Bowers for one more year at tight end? I think that would be a hell of a combination. Yeah. And someone else that we ha- we haven't mentioned is um, Anthony Evans at the um, – the Oklahoma flip that we got, I think he he could also make a big impact out of the um out of receiver as well. Yeah, no, for sure. So, not next season, but at the end of their Georgia career, who do you think has the biggest impact and leaves the biggest legacy? You know what? I'm a I'm gonna go out on a whim here because. We've had two kickers in a row with a big ass legacy with Hot Pod and Hot Rod. I think the number one kicker in the nation, I think he might leave a mark and could be the next, you know, Rodrigo. Peyton Woodring out of the shadows of Baton Rouge is coming to Athens to wear the red and black. (laughs) No, I think I mean he like like you said he's the number one kicker in the country, and as a kicker, he is the fifty fifth overall player out of the state of Louisiana. That's crazy, nuts, <laughs> nuts. What? So I know, a, that, I know that probably caught you way off guard. <laughs> so I just looking at his stats from his junior season, right? He averaged 7.5 points per game between field goals and extra points. Totaled 82 points on the year. (laughs) 13 of 17 in field goal attempts with a long of 56 yards as a junior in high school. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, he's going to be the next Rodrigo. Insane. (laughs) Insane. But, you know... Gotta go with our guy job. I I really, I mean, from the same area as Jordan Davis, played in the same division, and I am telling you guys, if you have not watched his tape, if you haven't watched it, I know I've sent it to some people, but if you haven't seen it, go on two four seven and look at this guy's highlights. Because in the highest division of North Carolina football. There are multiple examples of him coming off the ball and when he hits the offensive lineman for the first time, multiple examples of the offensive lineman being on his back like four yards behind where he was standing. Yeah. Like I want to say there's a there's one tackle, and I put that in quotes because it John never even touched the guy. 
he threw the lineman into the guy with the ball and he yeah. fell down. And, you know, having met John person one time, he's massive. Like, y'all know me. I'm I'm right at six foot. I'm a big dude. He makes me feel like a child. So, like me. Um, How tall are you? Five, five. He is a uh, he is a foot and an inch taller than you. That's what I'm saying. He makes you feel like most people make me feel. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and not to mention, they've got his wingspan on here written as 81 inches. Jesus. Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I know we posted the picture before on our Instagram, but. You don't quite get the size of some of these players. Like you see numbers and stats, but until you stand up close to these guys, it doesn't like it doesn't truly make sense. Yeah. And I never stood close to Jordan Davis, but when last year when he did a press conference where he was taller than the backdrop, <laughs> that said everything you needed to know. Big boy. And, and I've been real close to the field. Like, I've been right on the hedges where uh, Darnell Washington was only a few feet away. Yeah. We're, there's no way we're the same species. No. Hey, no. Absolutely not. There, no way possible. All right. You ready to talk transfer portal stuff? Let's do it. All right. I'm, I'm handing you the reins on this one for a minute. So, out of the 13,000 players that are in NCAA football, over 1,000 have entered the transfer portal. Like, this, the day one of the transfer portal, I think there was like over 500 players that entered. Well, I think there was close to 900 players. Yeah, it was, it was a ridiculous number. I mean, you have some big-name players going in there. DJ Ulongalele, Devin Leary. Um, just to name a few, like Justin Flo from Oregon, Grayson McCall, Travis Hunter from Jackson State, like so many players. But a couple I'm going to talk about is, you know, a couple of that. Can I stop you for a second? I got what? some, I looked up some stats about players that entered the transfer portal last season. Yeah, about like not last, even, not even like a quarter of the players end up going to a school, a D, like so. So according to Sports Illustrated, 54% of players that entered the transfer portal ended up enrolling at a new school. Yeah. 41% have not found a new school, are still looking, or transferred to a non-NCAA school, as in like NAIA, something like that, or left the sport completely. Yeah. Only... 59% of scholarship players that transferred got a scholarship at their new school. That's crazy. And 8% of players left their scholarship to become walk-ons at other schools. 33% of players remain without a destination. One-third of FCS transfers find scholarships at new schools. That's crazy. I love the portal, though. It's so much fun. It is a lot of fun, but it 
while it may seem like a good option at the time, it's probably not the best option for the future. Yeah, no. I mean, unless you're like, say, for instance, you know, Travis Hunter. Yeah. You know, the number one recruit coming out of high school ends up going to Jackson State with Dion. Unless you're somebody like on his caliber, like, good luck. Like, as shitty as that might sound, like, because I mean, I'm looking at the on three, you know, the, their top ten right now. You know, Travis Hunter is number one. All right. Then you have Fentro Cypress, a quarterback from Virginia, number two. A Johnny Cornelius from Rhode Island. Like, a lot of Rhode Island players have actually signed with some big-name schools here recently. from the Rhode Jersey. Island? For whatever reason, I, I truly don't get it. Yeah. Rhode Island is known for putting out good offensive linemen. There's multiple NFL starters that came from Rhode Island. And Georgia's had a couple of transfer offensive linemen from Rhode Island that have worked out well. Yeah. I mean, you also have a couple, you know, in the top 10, you know, at least one player or two players actually out of the top 10 that Georgia's been looking at. You know, Travis Hunter has been in communication with Kirby and a couple other staffers. You have uh, Dominic Lovett from Missouri, who actually played pretty decent against Georgia when they played, um, is also a target for Georgia. But looking at the targets that Georgia's trying to get, they're going after the receiver position in the portal. You got Ra Ra Thomas from uh, Mississippi State who played well against Georgia. You got Dominic Lovett. You have a couple other – you have uh, Travis Hunter, like I said. That's three big-name receivers right there that have all been in communications with Kirby – and man, honestly, I could, I see us landing two of them. Honestly, I think Travis Hunter follows Dion and goes to Colorado. So you say that, but according to On Three, he has their percentages have Georgia as the highest to land Travis Hunter. Really, but they are allegedly recruiting him as a wide receiver instead of a DB. That's fine. I mean, our DB class and what we already have, like, I'm okay with that. We need we need the receiver position. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I, I know he played both ways at Jackson State, but playing both ways in the swag and playing both ways in the SEC, like, it's two completely different things. Like, I'm not shit. Don't think I'm sitting here shitting on the swag. I'm not. I'm just saying this two different. The amount of physicality that's different between the two – that's going to be the biggest thing. Like, There's no way you're going to play as a wide receiver and take those massive hits and then be like, all right, now i got to go defend a wide receiver. Yeah, no. No. But I I I see us landing at least rah-rah. Dominic Lovett might be a stretch, but rah-rah I can see see us landing. And that'd be a huge get because, I mean, he comes from the Mike Leach offense. He comes from the air raid where all they do is throw. So I, I think he'll be a good pickup. But, I mean, some other big names, Devin Leary committed to Kentucky. I, I mean, I called that. I made, I literally made a graphic about it. And I am shocked he didn't go to Alabama, if I'm being entirely honest. Why? Because why? Alabama needs a quarterback. And I – you know, I would be willing to bet that Alabama was willing to throw stupid NIL money at him 
if he were to go to Alabama. But here's a hot take for you. With all the transfers Alabama has had outside of their wide receiver core, I think Kentucky has a better wide receiver room right now. Yeah. Yeah. With I mean, Key and Brown, and then they're getting another transfer wide receiver. Who, who does Alabama have? Judge Early, or Elo, whatever his name was. He, he's at TCU now. He yep. transferred to TCU. I mean, Jermaine Burns coming back. We saw the year he had this year. Every, every starting receiver Alabama had – except Jermaine Burton left. Yeah. So, like, but no, I think I think that's a good pickup. I think he's going to be a great replacement for Will Levis, who declared for the draft. I think he'll be better than Will Levis. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, like it was a good replacement for him. You know, you have um, DJ Uolunga Lale, who's crystal ball to Hawaii, which, I mean, we talked about that before we came on, you know, which doesn't – I mean – it does, but doesn't surprise us, you know, being from Hawaii, but also being that five-star, like, Heisman favorite at the beginning of the season last year to, once again, I'm not shitting on Hawaii, but when you're the Heisman favorite last year and you go to play a Hawaii, like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Like, you know. Well, to be fair, DJ Uyunglele, every time he gets off the field, checks under the bench for Georgia's defense. Still. Still. <laughs> But, um. So and going back to uh Ra Ra, he makes his um announcement on Friday. I'm very interested about that. So I think, like I like I said earlier, the signing day goes a long way on what the transfers will do. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And looking at our commits and who we have coming in on receivers, I see Rod Rod coming in and making an instant impact if he ends up coming to Athens. Oh, yeah. So there's a couple names that I don't think yeah, I remember you mentioning. Um, a guy that Georgia played against this season that kind of did better than expected. Um, you've got Dante Cephas from Kent State. The day he entered the portal – he got a scholarship offer from Kirby Smart. Yep. Which, I, according to on three, he is the number 10 receiver in the transfer portal from Kent State. And we saw what they did against the, against Georgia. I mean, and speaking of Kent State, Colin Slee, the quarterback, he's also in the transfer. He actually, I think he committed to somebody today, if I'm not mistaken. And... A guy from Kirby's hometown, Dion Bowie, goes by Smoke. He was mm. a five-star DB from last year's class that went follow the money and went to A&M. From Bainbridge, Georgia, just like Kirby Smart, <laughs> he was once committed to Georgia. And, I mean, he entered the transfer portal, and four days later he was in Athens. Yeah. They're on they an official visit. They are not messing around this year. They didn't take anybody last year, but dear God, how they have attacked the portal so far. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty excited to see, especially Ra Ra Thomas, because he could he could come in and make an impact next year. Yeah. I, the thing about the air raid offense is one season as a receiver in the air raid is like three seasons in most offenses. Yeah. 
Like with the amount you learn and the amount you play, it's insane. Yeah. But um how I was talking about Colin Slee from uh, Kent State. He um he committed to UCLA earlier today. Really? Sorry, two days ago, yeah. So they've got their replacement for DTR because that kid's an athlete. Yeah, and then you mentioned it in our group, Haynes King going to Georgia Tech. Crazy. Like, that's, that one blows my mind. And Georgia Tech's quarterback is going to play at Nebraska. Yeah, Jeff Sims. And yeah. So speaking of Nebraska, and this is going back to a high school kid, but he's a recruit for next year. Dylan Rayola, have you heard anything about him? I heard that he, if it's the same guy I'm thinking of, the number one quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, he decommitted from Ohio State. But I haven't heard anything other than that. So Dylan Rayola, when he made his commitment to Ohio State, his final two were Georgia and Ohio State. And now he is decommitted from Ohio State. But now his top two, according to crystal ball people and, you know, people in the know that actually talk to a lot of recruits, <laughs> it's come down to Georgia and Nebraska. I don't see him coming to Georgia. With our quarterback room, like. So the reason that I could see him coming to Georgia, and I say this because. With the guys we have right now backing up Stetson Bennett with Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton. I think two of those guys are gone. By the at least one of them transfers this offseason. Brock. And and I could see another guy transfer next offseason. I see Brock leaving. Well, I could see. I think if given a fair shot, Brock has more of the athletic tangibles to be a good quarterback than Carson Beck. He just hasn't been in the system as long. Yeah. I mean, Carson's your typical pocket quarterback who can scramble if need be. He is a healthy, more athletic JT Daniels, which is not – it's not a bad thing. Yeah. JT Daniels was a hell of a quarterback when he played at Georgia. But – Three games he played. Uh, he played more than three. He just played three last year. <laughs> but when you're talking about what modern football has moved to, and especially what Georgia's done this year with Todd Munkin and Stetson Bennett, yeah, they want someone like – I think – hot take real early. I think Brock Vandegriff has a better shot to be the starting quarterback next season than Carson Beck. I really? think it's like – Man, I think it's like 40-30-30. Or like 40-35-25, where it's all like super close. But I think it's going to be him, then Carson, then Gunnar Stockton. Huh. I mean, you want to talk about – you want to talk about like being physical, being accurate, being athletic, being tough. That's Brock Vandegrift. Like, yeah. he is a more God-gifted version of Stetson Bennett that just happens to be taller. Yeah. Like, got a good arm. He can take off and run. A lot of people either forgot this or never knew it. 
Brock Vandegrift played the last three games of his senior high school career with a torn MCL. Oh, shit. And he ran for something like 250 yards in those games. You want to talk about being a tough son of a bitch. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, he won a state championship on a torn MCL. Good for him. And, I like, man, I I think Brock Vandegrift is going to get that job, but I think it is going to be neck and neck. Yeah, like, it's, it's going to be a photo finish Kentucky Derby. Like, you got to take a slow-mo picture to see just who edges out the other at the end. Could it be a Michigan situation where one starts one game, the other one starts the other game, and they made the decision week three? <laughs> Let, let's go to our Instagram at nothing.finer.pod and check the schedule for next year. Yeah. Oh, nice shot. Oh, so it's <laughs> I don't even recognize that first school. UT Martin. UT Boston, Martin. South Carolina. This isn't an error, guys, I'm thinking. Put myself on the spot. Do we have a lot of home games next year? Well, it's because we didn't have very many this year. Also, Florida's not really a home game. Yeah, I know. I should have blacked them out because fuck Florida anyways. But yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just put the TIAA Bank logo there instead of Florida's logo. <laughs> um, Man, I can see it being... I can see... If the backup is still on campus for, like, say, say Brock beats out Carson and they, and Kirby tells them that, you know, a couple weeks into fall camp, I could see Carson going to the portal before the season. Yeah. He'll go somewhere too. Well, no, because they've, they've reduced the portal to 65 days now. You can only enter the portal, or it's 45 days between the Sunday after conference championship, 45 days, and then there's another 15 days after spring ball. So if they're both on campus come September of next year, I could see it being a lot more split than it was this year. Yeah. But I don't know, man. One of the three quarterbacks that's backing up Stetson Bennett right now, minimum one of the three is not on campus come September of next year. I think Gunner stays just because, you know, he's new to the system, hasn't been there. Unless Brock has taken over. Because if Brock has taken over, he'll have two years left when he starts. Yeah. I don't know. That's a conversation for another day. Yes. Um, but so back to Dylan Rayola. The, so Nebraska is an odd, odd pick, right? Like they have been pretty trash for a while now. His uncle is the uh, offensive line coach. And his dad played for Nebraska. Ah, Legacy. He's a legacy with family in the coaching staff. You so, know. so I think Nebraska's got the edge for Dylan Rayola, which be a, which would be a huge pickup. 
But if given the opportunity, I would love for him to come to Athens. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, our quarterback room, before we went on our change, our quarterback room is pretty stopped. Like, And then you've got Pug coming in next season who just made the jump to, like, being a middle-of-the-pack four-star. Yeah, like, I don't – like, he could go to Nebraska and make an instant impact. On a four-win team. Yeah, but he's still making an instant impact. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I Like I said, I'm, I'm excited to see how that unfolds. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of interesting things that are going to play out over the next few days. And once again, if you follow our Instagram, we're going to be posting updates as we get them tomorrow for signing day. Um, and then, you know, when some of these big transfers make their decision, we'll obviously make posts about that because that's some big news from some experienced college players coming in, potentially. Um, I've made some sick-ass graphics, so. Yeah, they, they have a fever of, like, 102. They're sick as fuck. Oh. <laughs> uh. So, since you may not be on our later week episode, you want to talk about a little bit about bowl games for this weekend? Oh, God. What games do we have? Anything good? <laughs> it's. I mean, it's got to be better than that Florida game. Hell, there's a game going on right now. There is Liberty and Toledo. Let's go Toledo. Fuck. Hey. I'm 10-1 I'm right now. The Liberty Flames got even hotter after Freeze left town. <laughs> Pun was very much intended there, just just so everyone's on the same page. I mean, ain't shit going for a ball game. You got Baylor Air Force, Missouri Wake Forest. I mean, Wake Forest only fair about one, but I don't see that being a game. So a couple interesting things out of that game, though, are and I heard this on our friend Connor O'Gara's podcast. Shout out SDS podcast. Listen to them after you listen to us because we're more important. But <laughs> we're cooler. Um. So Eli Drinkwitz gave up play calling for the last three games of the season when Mizzou's offense actually started to work. Right. Yeah. The guy that was calling plays quit, and he now works for another school. Just straight up said I'm done. So Drink is calling plays for his team again for the bowl game. Yeah, like I said, I don't think it's gonna be a game. Sam Hartman had his rib in a necklace. Man, the thing about Sam Hartman is he's playing, and at this point, he's either playing to try and improve his draft stock or get a fuck ton of NIL money somewhere else. <laughs> or he's just bored. What, no, Wake Forest head coach pretty much said, in this paraphrasing and reading between the lines, but he heavily insinuated that Sam Hartman would not be a demon deacon next season, whether he's in the NFL or plays for another team. Damn. And I, from, you know, I didn't listen to it, but just based off of his relationship with Sam Hartman, and how Sam Hartman is about to take the career touchdown record from Taj Boyd for the ACC. I think it's more of a 
Sam, you deserve better than we're able to give you with a shitty defense. <laughs> go to the NFL or go make some money with a good team. And how terrifying would it be to see Sam Hartman go to Alabama? Dude, I mean, the fact that we already got Devin Leary going to Kentucky, Grayson McCall could possibly be going to Auburn. Or Florida. His top two yeah. is Auburn and Florida right now. Like, bro, then get fucking Sam Hartman to go to – damn it, dude. And uh, something that I think is going to definitely take away from Missouri's chance is their leading receivers in the transfer portal. And could be coming to Georgia. Yeah, Dominic Lovett is in the transfer portal. Um, and if you want to drive down to Tampa for this game, <laughs> you can get into this game for $24. Damn. We going to Tampa? I mean – I got some Southwest points. I might be able to get a round trip for free. There you go. Um, but no, like I said, Wake Forest, one point favorite, over under 58 and a half. Under. I'm gonna take the under and Wake Forest. Yeah. By the way, I'm a little pissed off. Nobody remind me about my Marshall <laughs> parlay, and that would have hit. Good. Fuck you. <laughs> I, I will say that I am glad San Jose State lost today. Me too. I don't even know who I picked in that game. I'm glad they lost. I'm leading our, our bowl mania, by the way, so I get to come on the podcast. Oh, I'm not surprised. I'm 10 and 1. San Jose State sued my high school because our logo was similar to theirs. There was a school in Columbus, um, Michael Williams, his high school. They got sued by uh, Iowa. Because the, the Hawkeye was close to their Hawkeye. Like, yeah. If you're a Division One Power Five, or if you're a Division One football team and you're suing a high school in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, <laughs> maybe rethink your fucking priorities, guys. Like, yeah. Like, Michael Williams' high school got sued by Iowa. I mean, there are some good games next about. week. There's some good games early next week before we're gonna before we're gonna talk again. You got Georgia Southern playing Buffalo. Georgia Southern is phenomenal on offense, not so much on defense. You got Coastal Carolina and East Carolina playing in Birmingham for the uh who's a more degenerate Carolina school. Dude. Those are two of my favorite schools. Yeah, no, I I love both of those schools, but they're I mean, between Myrtle Beach and uh <laughs> and Greenville. And Greenville, those are some degenerate cities. Oh I'm a big big ECU guy, big pirate guy. Hey, I I love Greenville. I've been out in Greenville a few times. It's um I will say degenerate cities. Oh yeah. Degenerate yeah. cities. Love 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 me some Greenville, love me some pirates. And then we've got the Oklahoma State Cowboys playing Wisconsin. Oklahoma State, go Pokes. Oklahoma State. Wisconsin's a three-and-a-half-point favorite, though. Nah. And then ECU is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over Coastal Carolina. And I would take those points because Coastal <laughs> Carolina is without a quarterback. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We're literally just talking about that, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to wrap it up tonight. Um, I found something that I want to talk about real quick, and I almost forgot. It is time to talk about my favorite distillery that makes bourbon and just so happens to be in Atlanta. You, you guys know by now, founded by multiple UGA grads. And I've gotten to be friends with the guys behind the whiskey. And like I said, I'm just going to keep shouting from the rooftops for the last four years running. ASW Distillery is the most awarded craft distillery in America at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, including multiple gold medals for their Fiddler Bourbon line. And just as exciting as all of that good whiskey, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five, five, you heard me right, five UGA grads behind the scenes making this bourbon. Go to their battery location to sit down with David Booth, have a drink, or pick up a bottle of Fiddler for a tailgate or, you know, it's holiday season. You got to deal with that annoying family member. Fiddler helps. ASW Distill, delicious bourbon distilled by dogs. Yeah, I think we're good. You got anything else? No, just if you're not following us, follow us because we'll be posting a lot tomorrow. At nothing.finder.pod, at finderpod for Twitter. Facebook group is Nothing Finder Podcast. We'll be posting signing day updates on the Facebook group as well. One of us will. Um, ASW giveaway. It's live on Twitter. We're going to draw it. Um, I will announce it at kickoff or just for kickoff of the Peach Bowl. So you know if you're celebrating multiple things that night or not. We've had a lot of interaction on this one. Let's keep it up because I will continue to say it. The more people we get to interact, we, you know, I am talking with our guy, David Booth over ASW for trying to get some, uh, trying to get some cool bottles and stuff ready for this giveaway. We need the interaction, but like I said, I think it's going to do it for us tonight. And always remember guys, there is nothing finer in the land. Then a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide.